The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. My name is Corey Waters. I am one of the pastors here along with my husband Adam, who you just met briefly a minute ago. But I am excited to be with you guys today, and actually I am tear-free because first service I cried during the Mother's Day thing, and then I had to get up and preach. But now I have no tears, so I'm good. I made it, I made it through okay. So, <laughs> But I, I'm excited to share with you guys today because I want to open up with you and share a little bit of a story with you that not many people have heard. Um, it's a small story about how, to, how Adam and I actually met. And it was a warm September evening when Adam and a couple of guys came wandering into my dorm room because they smelled coffee. Um, we actually went to Lincoln Christian University in Lincoln, Illinois. And unlike most state colleges, our dorms were, not, uh, were off limits to the opposite sex. So like if you went to a state university, my guess is you probably either shared the same floor with the opposite sex or you had the opportunity to freely go in and out of each other's rooms. Well, that doesn't play out well at a Christian college. Um, we actually had a thing called open dorms. And open dorms were actually once a month for three hours, one night, you got to go to the opposite sex dorm, right? Exciting, huh? Fun stuff, Christian college life, right? So like one week was the girls' open dorm and then the next week was the guys' open dorm. And so you got to go and wander around and meet all these people. So. So my guess is they probably came into my room and we chatted a little bit and we probably even flirted a little bit. Next thing I know, they were out of my room onto the next girl's room because that's what you do when you're looking for, you know, someone to date, right? You, you hop from room to room. So, yeah, speed dating. That's what it was. Speed dating Christian college style. So anyways, I just wanted to give you guys, because when I say open dorms, some people are like, what are in the world are open dorms? Well, when you go to a Christian college, you really don't get to experience, you know. And honestly, the, the kit, the, the, we could only go as far as the lobby. Like, we, the, the building was pretty locked down. So, like, the guys could come into our lobby, but they couldn't go any further, except for open dorms. So anyways, back to my story. So uh, they go on to other rooms, and the week goes on, and I kind of forget about it, you know, like not whatever. They were in my room briefly. And I played college volleyball, so I had come home one night from one of our home matches, and I had walked back into my room to find a message on my answering machine. Yes, an answering machine. We even had a corded phone, guys. Like, I'm really, really dating myself right now. <laughs> but I found this message on my answering machine from this guy named Adam, and he apparently had been in my room the week before drinking coffee. And on the message, he asked, Hey, I was wondering if you could make me another cup of coffee. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Great pickup line, right? <laughs> Can you make me a cup of coffee? I would really like one. And he left his dorm room number, so I called his extension back, and I was like, hey, my name's Cora. You left a message on my phone. Who are you? He reminded me that he met me the week before, and little did I know this was soon to start our adventure of 23 years of being together and 19 years married this year. 
And this is a picture that describes our relationship for the last 23 years. <laughs> right? Ugh. For the last couple weeks, uh, we have been talking about what it means to live a kingdom lifestyle or a kingdom, live a life um, of, uh, in the kingdom. And so the first week, Putty was our speaker, and he, he kind of un, like opened up his book and said, hey, the kingdom is not about uh, you getting incorporated into it. The kingdom actually incorporates you into it when you say yes to Jesus, and then you get apprehended by the things of the kingdom. And so the next week, everybody's like, what is kingdom exactly? Clay unpacked it last week for us and said, actually, the kingdom of God is God's will in action here on earth. It is us partnering with God to bring heaven to earth. And he walked us through the Lord's Prayer and what that looked like. Well, this week, I uh, get to talk to you about three different things that us as humans inherently really desire. And the first one of those things is we desire to be safe. In your relationships, you want to be safe with people. You, you, uh, you want to be safe both physically and emotionally. And, and so that when you are safe, you feel like you can take some risks. The next thing we want to do is we want to, be- we want to belong to something. We want to belong and we want to know people. And, and through us belonging to something, we feel like we have what we could say meaning. That's the third thing. We feel like we have a meaning that we can carry out and we can do something with it. And as we have that meaning, we can actually contribute to the greater good. Those are words that we would recognize, like, here, safety, belonging, and mattering. But in the kingdom, we like to say, that actually looks like our relationship, our identity, and our destiny, and what it looks like as we play out in the kingdom. And so I get to talk about how our, our relationship with Jesus, and our identity, and who we are in him, and then our purpose of what we're here on earth to do, actually gets weaved into our, our daily life, in, into our kingdom lifestyle is what we like to call it. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going we're gonna to dig in. So Jesus, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for all the baptisms later in the service, Father. God, I just pray right now that you come, Holy Spirit. Use me, speak through me, and just, uh, yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. So you guys are probably wondering, like, you told a pretty funny story about Adam and Adam and you. You know, that's kind of funny. Why are you telling us this funny story to kick off your sermon about maybe something that's pretty serious? Well, it's because if I'm being completely transparent, when I met Adam, I was not ready to be in a relationship with anybody. I had come out of a four-year relationship of, uh, with, with somebody that was on and off for, like I said, four years. And this, this guy did some damage to me. Like, I had a really hard time trusting men. I had a really hard time having faith in the opposite sex. And when I met Adam, I was not in a place to date. But as I encountered Adam and I started to know him and have, like, coffee with him, more coffee. It's kind of our love language of our relationship, guys. He brings me coffee on Sunday mornings even. That's just how we operate. But when I started to encounter him, I actually started thinking, and I had these thoughts of, is this guy really, like, too good to be true? Like, is he really who I'm, I'm experiencing right now? Is, is he really loving? Is he, is he really that caring? Or is this like some kind of smoke screen that he's like putting up so that I can get into a relationship with him and then he's going to break my heart later? Like, that's where I was coming from. I was coming from that place. But like, I, as I said, as we, begin, as we begin to have conversations and as we begin to get to know each other and go on dates and have coffee, 
I begin to realize that he really was the real deal. That it wasn't, that what I was experiencing actually was something that was real. So I actually want to, I want to kind of parallel this to our relationship with Jesus. Because I think a lot of times we come into a relationship with Jesus or we, we hear about Jesus for the first time or, you know, you've met him. And you actually might have the same kind of approach that I did approaching a, a natural relationship. Like, is this guy really for real? Is this relationship thing, is this Jesus guy, is he really who he says he is? Is he really that good? And you, you might be really like slow, like, like kind of like move slow motion into it because you're just really hesitant. You know, you think, wow, I hear all these stories about Jesus. I see all these people have relationships with Jesus, but I just don't know if I can trust this Jesus guy. I don't know if I can do this. Maybe there were some questions you had to work through before you actually engaged in a relationship or even the thought of engaging in a relationship with Jesus. You know, you might have actually met him in an unexpected way. And so because you met him in an unexpected way, you started asking questions about, well, why now? Maybe you met him as a young child and, you know, you're like, I remember Bible stories in Sunday school, and I've kind of moved my way up through, and yeah, he's, I think he's okay. I mean, I've heard about him all my life, and you've had a relationship with him since a young child. That's awesome if you have, and your relationship continues to get stronger. But, you know, maybe you even met Jesus in the middle of a crisis, like something was going on in your life, and you're like, God, are you really there? And God was able to intervene in your life in that way. But even in those situations, you still had to take a moment where you had to figure out how you were going to engage in that relationship with Jesus. How you were going to approach that relationship with Jesus. And as people, we think before we can actually get into a relationship of any kind, we have to think that we have to have it all together. That we have to be perfect before we can actually take the next step. And I think that's where some of us get with, with our relationship with following the Father and saying yes to him. I think some of us think, well, I don't have it all together yet. I don't know if I know all the right answers. Uh... You know, am I, am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? Is it, is it really real? Is it, you know, so we, we get there. But here's the thing. The father never told the son that when he, when he, before he came to earth, that mankind had to be perfect. The father never said to Jesus, wait, before you go down there to, to, to die on the cross, mankind has to be perfect. If that was the case, it would have completely negated Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus came to earth as the visible image of the invisible God. He came to earth because the Father had a will for mankind. And that will was that mankind would be brought back to who he, they were created to be in the garden, to be in relationship with one another in the garden. God's desire was for man and God to partner together and to be in relationship. And that is why Jesus came to earth. The will of the Father was that man was to be made right. And without the gospel story that I just said, we don't have a context for a relationship with Jesus. You have to understand the gospel, and you have to understand why the relationship with Jesus is so important, because this is the context of your relationship with him. This is why. This is why Jesus came to earth. It wasn't just because he felt like, oh yeah, man's down there suffering, I probably should send my son. No, the Father's heart was for us to be unified with him. 
to be in relationship with him. But he didn't say, I want man to be perfect first. That's why he sent a son. We're going to look at Romans 10, verse 1, I'm sorry, verse uh, 4 through 10. And I want you to listen to how Paul talks about uh, this idea. The earlier revelation was intended simply to get us ready for the Messiah, who then puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print. But trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent to hell to rescue the Messiah. So exactly what is Moses saying? The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue is to your mouth, as close as the heart is to your chest. I'm going to just stop there for a second. Could you imagine if we had to go up to heaven to rescue the Messiah? Or to, to get him to bring him down to earth? Or to go to hell and rescue him out of hell? No, what Paul's saying is that you don't have to do that. Because it, it is as close as is your tongue to your mouth that I'm using right now to speak to you. And as heart as is as your heart to your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of your preaching. Say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul. God's work of doing good in us, what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. So think about the first time you met your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Take a moment if you have a significant other did you have to go looking for them on a regular basis? <laughs> I love it. My guess is that most of us didn't really have to go too far if we were courting, to use some old language. But you didn't have to go very far to find the person that you desired relationship with. They either came to you or you went to them. And it was a give and take. Like, you, you didn't have to go very far. This is actually what Paul is saying about Jesus. This is what Paul's saying about Jesus. He's saying, you don't have to go anywhere. He's going to come to you. Jesus is going to come to you, to wherever you're at. You don't have to go looking for him. He is as close as your tongue is to your mouth, and it's as close as your heart is to your chest. That's pretty close. That is what Paul is trying to communicate in how our relationship with Jesus is to be. In Putty's book, chapter, uh, chapter 9 of Putty's book that Adam briefly talked about, Kingdom Impact, he says this, We are saved through the context of our relationship with God, not correct beliefs. This is why the beginning of our Christian walk is faith, or in other words, trust. Trust opens the door to relationship, and in the context of that relationship, God's grace redeems us. God has provided salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection. 
and it's right in front of you. Like I said, you don't have to go very far to find him. But you do have to trust him. As humans, we always want to get things right before we take the next step. It's just, it's just our nature. It's our nature to make sure that we have it all together and we have this idea of like, well, I can take the next step now because I know what's going to happen. And we, it, we want to make it this long, drawn-out process where we have this perfect belief system. But that's not what Paul's saying. You don't have to have a perfect belief system because if you did, you'd be working in works instead of grace. See, I love this idea that Paul is actually showing us in Romans because what he's showing us is that trust actually trumps our theology. Let that sit in for a second. Trust trumps theology. Let me unpack this for a little bit, a little bit for you. Trust is a relationship. And because of it, we believe that the Father is actually who he says he is. And we believe that because he has engaged us and he has come after us and he meets us where we're at, that we can trust our relationship with him. Theology actually stands from religion. And religion is where we can get stuck in having this idea that we have to have it all together before we can engage in a relationship with him. That's where we can get stuck. In Romans... Like, if, I love the book of Romans. If you guys have ever read the book of Romans, like, it's a, it's a good read. It's, it's really good. <laughs> it's this, this idea of grace, guys. It's just, it's like all the way through the book. But the thing I love is about, in Romans 1, Paul actually talks about faith. And, and through scripture, we see faith used in different terms. But in this passage in Romans 1, faith is actually, Paul is talking about salvation. Faith is actually uh, the word of salvation. And faith is not something... We must do in order to earn salvation. Instead, faith is a gift of, from God because he is saving us. This is the context of what he's talking about Romans 1. I'm going to get to Romans 1 here in a second. But, guys, this is, this is how amazing the plan of God is for us to be saved. Because in trusting him, our relationship is actually made right through him. Not our correct beliefs. In trusting him, this is where our belief system actually comes from. And, and our relationship is made right. Not through the correct beliefs um, that we believe that we're supposed to have before we engage in that relationship. Romans 1.17 says this. The, this gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, righteousness. A perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says, we are right with God through life-giving faith. The gospel is the power of God at work through us and into wholeness. The gospel is the power of God at work that brings us into wholeness. That's what the gospel story is. That's why it's so powerful in our life. Because that's what brings us into wholeness with the Father, is the gospel. When we begin to process our relationship with the Father, he begins to show us actually who we are. When we move from faith to faith, 
the father actually begins to reveal our new identity to us through relationship with him. And I think it's, it's a kind of a great picture. Like, you know, the Avengers and, like, superheroes are kind of a big thing right now. Think about this. When you engage in a relationship with the father and he begins to reveal your new identity, you, like, have superpowers. It's like the idea of a superhero. The, the secret identity that you didn't know that you actually had is being unveiled in a relationship with Jesus. This is when our belief system actually starts to align with who the Father says he is. When we begin to engage in trust and relationship and we begin to experience who the Father says we are and that we actually begin to walk out who the Father says we are, our belief system actually becomes, it begins to become in alignment with him in the kingdom. Does that make sense? Like it, it all becomes aligned. And then the Father is actually inviting you daily into a new picture of yourself. This is just something that he loves to do. He loves to renew our thinking every day so that he can tell us who we are. Because remember, his purpose, his will for sending Jesus was that we are to be made uh, the, the picture of the garden. We are to be made whole in relationship with him. He wants us to experience his heart for, like, for us as he experienced for what he did in the garden. That's, that was, that's his desire. And the, the thing is, is we don't think, sometimes I don't think we think that the Father really knows us. And in honor of Mother's Day, he knew you before you were knit together in your mother's womb. He knew you. He knows you better than you do, which is kind of a scary thought. He knows you better than your spouse does or your siblings or your, or your children. He knows you that well. And, and when we begin to partner with him in this relationship idea, this is when our trust begins to trump our theology because we begin to become aligned in our belief system with him. Our beliefs begin to align. And as, as we begin to walk out this relationship, beginning to understand what it means to be righteous sons and daughters, because that's our new identities, righteous sons and daughters, we actually get to partner with him to do the superpower stuff, like, like the, the superhero stuff. Because he actually has a destiny for us. We're not just saved for something. We're actually going to be saved to something. And that something is because we have a destiny. He has a destiny and a purpose for all of us. And destiny, honestly, is just a big word for purpose. But I like destiny better because it sounds cooler. <laughs> sounds like I have something important to do. But we have this destiny. And the destiny and the purpose for us is to do with the stuff that Jesus did. But we do that living a life through empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And in Paul, actually, you know, he models this really well. Paul goes out and he does the stuff that Jesus did. You know, the things that Jesus did, Matthew 10, 10 8, is that we go out and we heal the sick, we cast out demons, and we raise the dead. That sounds like a fun everyday job, right? But... Freely we receive the power from the Holy Spirit, so freely we can give it away. That's our destiny. That's our purpose. And when we're partnering with him, we get to see that come into alignment and work all together. Acts 20, 24 says this. But what, whether I live or die, it is not important. For I don't esteem my life as indispensable. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny. And to finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned to me. 
which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. Paul considered it nothing, nothing, unless he was used for God's purposes. Paul actually was more about what he did in life than what he got out of life. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. I'd rather do the stuff of the kingdom than get stuff of the kingdom. Like, I would rather go out and do it and show God's, show what, God's power than worrying about what I get. So, what he put into life was more important to him. And Paul was just honestly following the example of Jesus' life. Guys, Jesus was a superhero in all of our stories. He came, he's a hero. Like, all the way through the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus doing what the Father did. That was his purpose, to do what the Father did. And even in the Old Testament, the prophets prophesied about the, about the man who was going to come and fulfill the law and, and break and, and fulfill all of that, of the history, and, and create the new Jerusalem. Like, even then, he was the hero in the Old Testament before he was even here. Jesus is the hero. But he's the hero because he comes to overthrow the power of the devil and to take back the things that were stolen and to uh, reclaim authority that, was, that is in heaven and he brings it to earth. That's the idea of Jesus coming to earth. That's the idea of the gospel story. So what is more important to you guys? Is it more important for you to, like, give out and do the things of the kingdom? Or is it more important for you about what you get? That's the question I have. Is it more important for you to, to get out of life than what you put into it? The Holy Spirit has a destiny specifically for you. My destiny is different than Adam's de destiny. My destiny is different than Joel's destiny. Here's the thing. The Father is never going to call you into something that he is not going to empower you with. He's going to empower you to do the things he's asking you to do because he's giving you the Holy Spirit. But all of our destinies in the kingdom look different because all of our stories about how we met Jesus are different. We've all encountered him different ways. And that's how our story gets incorporated into the kingdom. That's how our story begins to get apprehended by the kingdom. Because all of our stories are different, but yet we all have destinies to walk out. But are you going to trust him with that destiny? Are you going to trust him with that purpose? He's never not going to give you something that you cannot do. Because, guess what? He did it himself. But he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when he came to earth, he brought the Holy Spirit with him. When, before he left, he empowered it. We're going we're gonna, to, um, I have a story I would like to read to you. Because it, it talks to you about the complete story, this, this complete idea of the gospel that actually played out in someone's life. Um, to Actually, the decision to get rebaptized. And it was last year on Mother's Day. Um, but this is the story of Scott Mead. I very much remember my decision to accept Jesus and be baptized when I was in fifth grade. 
I returned from camp fired up to get baptized because I had learned how my sin was creating separation from God. I desperately wanted to be forgiven of my sins so heaven would be my reward. Fast forward 30 years and coming to the vineyard, I started to learn that salvation is not the only purpose of baptism. In fact, I had been learning by the preaching of Adam and Corey and the other team members that we are actually saved to something. I was learning we are actually saved to reign and rule with Christ in eternity, but that we can actually begin here on earth before we even die. We can do the stuff Jesus did. We are, saved to heal, we are saved to heal the sick, broken and changed the atmosphere in our schools, our communities, in our workplaces. We are saved to be the kingdom of heaven here on earth. This, this thinking floored me. And I didn't quite know how to express it. So when Baptism Sunday rolled around last Mother's Day, I jumped at the chance to get baptized. Because this baptism was going to go out, help me go out and change the world. This time around my baptism was an acceptance <clears throat> this time around my baptism was an acceptance into sonship a new identity along with going out to do the stuff Jesus did His first baptism was just was powerful he was saved he wanted to be saved from sin so he could go to heaven but as his mind began to be get renewed to who the father says he was and as the father began to show him what he could do in the kingdom the idea to be renewed to something wasn't just like, I'm getting something so I can be saved from something. He was actually like, I get to go do this stuff, so now I'm actually saved to something. That verb changes. Four to two. And so he felt like the Holy Spirit said, it's time for you to be rebaptized because he wanted to go out in this new identity of sonship. He recognized that he was a son in the kingdom. And so he wanted to do that. And I actually... Um, I actually want to read Acts 19 too because Paul actually talks about this in the book of Acts. Just to give some context to it, Paul comes into uh, a conversation with some 12 men that had been baptized and they were having a conversation and Paul actually says this, did you receive, this is Acts 19 too, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that this is the Holy Spirit, that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for the repentance of sin. But John himself told the people to believe in one, the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the, same, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they, began to speak in and they, began, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were twelve men in all. There is nothing wrong with John's baptism. Paul never said that there was something wrong with John's baptism. But he did say, there is someone coming greater. And he's going to bring something to you. Paul's baptism, or John's baptism was the forgiveness of sins. And that's awesome. That means we go down in the water, and as we come back up, we're made new. The old self has died, the new self is risen. It's the picture of, of what happened on the cross. But what Paul was saying is that sometimes we can be baptized because we know that the Holy Spirit comes when we're baptized, but then the Holy Spirit lays dormant. It just sits there. Because we don't know that we have it. We don't know that we have this Holy Spirit power living in us. And so when he says, when he prays, 
and he baptizes the 12 men, the Holy Spirit actually comes upon them and they begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens in that baptism. And that's what happened when, when Scott decided to be rebaptized. He knew he was baptized for the forgiveness of sins, but he didn't realize that he was, he was to be baptized like to receive something from the baptism too. And that's the idea that we're, I, I, I want to, the relationship, the relationship aspect came into play with Scott's rebaptism. Not that he didn't have a relationship before, but now his new identity came into play. And he began to understand who he was as a son. Guys, this is how we get to live out the kingdom lifestyle. We get to live out the kingdom lifestyle because we begin to realize that we're safe in the kingdom. That Jesus is safe and we can trust him. That we actually get to belong to a family. And then, because we belong to that family, we have meaning and purpose. We get to do stuff. We don't just get to come to church. We get to like, actually participate in what the Holy Spirit is doing in church. That's what this means. That's what kingdom lifestyle means. So, I actually just have a couple questions for you guys just to kind of chew on. Where is your actual relationship with, with him right now? Are you, are you struggling with the idea that this, this relationship, this trust thing is just too good to be true? Have you been struggling with the idea that you have to be perfect and have it all together before you can actually walk out this relationship with Jesus? Because remember, our trust is going to trump our theology when we say yes. Maybe you're here today and this is the first time you've heard the, the gospel message presented this way, that, you're actually, that Jesus actually has a, a plan for your life and that he actually has a destiny for you and that he loves you and that he wants to be in a relationship with you. Maybe this is new thinking for you. And maybe you need to take that step of just saying yes to Jesus for the first time. And, and just taking those questions that you've had and those trust issues and just kind of laying them at his feet and say, okay, I trust you with this. Maybe you actually need to be rebaptized like Scott was. Because this idea of this, the sonship, like you're like, oh, that's what it means. This is what this means. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm righteous, I'm loved. And you begin to walk out your destiny and your purpose through that. Maybe it's just that you've got some things in your life that are slowing you down. And just your relationship with it. Maybe you're in a relationship with Jesus, but there's some things that you're just kind of holding on to that he's been asking you to trust him with. And you haven't been quite in a place that you want to do that yet. Maybe it's just that. Maybe you just need to release, release those things to him. But wherever you're at, he's going to meet you. Remember, he, he, he's as close as he, is your mouth is to your tongue and as your heart is to your chest. He's going to come to wherever you're at and meet you in that place. I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys to stand. And we're just going to kind of close out from here. And then we'll move into some other, the rest of our service. But I'm just going to pray over you guys and in, in, in this this idea, this revelation of, of who Jesus is and living out this kingdom lifestyle with him. And so uh, if you're willing to go ahead and put your hands out and just receive. And just, Father, I just, I pray right now, God, that if there are men and women in this room, Father, that just need a fresh 
infilling of you, Holy Spirit, that you just come right now and fill them. Father, if there is men and women in this room that just need a revelation of who you who they are in your kingdom, God, that you will begin to speak to them in this moment. And Father, if there are men and women in this room that just have the prompting, Father, that you are prompting them right now just to say, take the step out and say yes to Jesus in a way that they've never done it before. That they've had this idea that the relationship and their idea and their thought process had to be perfect before actually stepping into a relationship with you. God, that you'll just come and you'll meet them where they're at. Father, if there's men and women in this room that are in a place right now where you've been asking them to, to trust you with things, God, that they will begin just to lay those things at your feet. Whether it's with their marriage, whether it's with um, relationships or family relationships, whether it's with jobs, uh, God, whether it's just the idea of what does it look like to partner with you in the kingdom? What does it look like for you to walk with them in their destiny, what you have? God, whatever it is, God, I just pray right now to you, Holy Spirit, you'll come and you speak, because we believe, God, that you're a speaking God. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you. In Jesus' name, amen.